Um, good morning. We are here to, I've been asked to um, talk a little bit about how listening to music impacts our lives. And I have asked Rick and Andre to talk about that with me a little bit. <clears throat> and then I think we have a couple, one or two exercises for you at the end. So, that is the question. How has music impacted your life? Or how does it impact you? As you listen to it. Who wants to start? Oh, come on. <laughs> I'm asking. Wait. I'm asking. But then I'm going to start? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me when it's stop, too. <laughs> no, I doubt it. Um, how music has impacted my life? I grew up in a family that was musical. My mom was a classically trained pianist. And my dad was uh, directing choirs in church. So I grew up around pipe organ and choirs. And um, at home, a lot of chaos and abuse. Um, and so I retreated in my own world uh, quite early on. Um, you know, drawing and doing plaster sculptures and listening to music. I would take out uh, the Reader's Digest Encyclopedia of uh, vinyls at the time. And I would go through the records and listen to it and discover Berlioz and Tchaikovsky and all these guys. And I was always amazed that I could finish uh, a whole side. Um, but it took me somewhere because it was different than voices and words and screams. And, you know, it was like inviting me somewhere. It was a place of escape um, where I could travel emotionally in a safe place. And um, so. And then I became part of a dance troupe. Uh, we would do dance from around the world, so I was exposed to music, folklore music from all different kind of countries and stuff. Um, and involving, involving the body and stuff. I was never a singer, but you know, I danced. <laughs> and uh, what else I remember is that when I was, uh, and some people have heard me tell the story when I was. Uh, 13 years old, I was stuttering a lot, and I was entering adolescence with a lot of uh, hang-ups. I was completely a misfit, uh, more like a feral child. And um, I, my brother showed me where to place my fingers on the piano to play Let It Be. <coughs> and it kind of, uh, how I see it now, is that it felt like my soul stood inside of me. I became alive for the first time. And um, I started playing every day on the piano. Sometimes there was nobody home. I would take the boards off and just hold the sustain pedal and bang on the piano like Mr. Rogers. Sorry. <laughs> but you know, with the sustain pedal and then under the piano would shake and I would close my eyes and just listen to the sound disappear in the distance. And it felt like pain was being pulled out of me. And um, so that was very significant. For me, there was like there was something I could not explain. I had never heard anybody talk about this. It's just a discovery that you make. Mm -hmm. And um, when I was a teenager, I was really into um, progressive rock. Mm -hmm. At the time, it was a mix of classical and rock. And it was just like fantastic. It was like an explosion. 
and then Disco came and killed it. <laughs> How do you really feel about Disco? Well, let me tell you, Rick. <laughs> it was the end of the road. Um, but I never really considered music playing in a public setting. If somebody would sit by me or talk to me while I was playing piano, because I would play piano everywhere, I could find a piano. Um, I, I would freeze and I couldn't play at all until I started playing in church. Uh, and then there was, uh, there was a new beginning also to discover creativity and being able to express more than just everything that I had been going through. So uh, it's always been uh, present in my life. And I think that it, like I said, it made me feel alive. And you can hear music every day, everywhere you go, but sometimes when you listen, which is basically the theme today, is how we listen, you know. I remember at the time we didn't have headphones, so I would lay on the floor and put two speakers uh, oh, wow. and uh, listen to like uh, Selling England by the Pound by Genesis and stuff like that. And it was just, it just takes you somewhere. It's like, it's not just the lyrics, it's especially the sounds. You know? When you have a band that makes sounds that glues, it is, you know, that uh, weaves together. And um, I don't know, it's just it's something really magical and mysterious about about uh, music. It's beautiful. It's a gift. It's a gift to us, I think, you know? So, and uh, David, King David, that, that story always stuck with me when you would play the harp. Well, you got a kid who's like the, the runt of the litter, if you will, and he's always pushed aside. His brothers seemingly didn't want him around too much. <coughs> And he's there with the sheep, you know, and he's playing harp and he develops a language of his own. And so much so that he's noticed by the king. And um, when he plays King Saul, his demons leave or quiet, you know, he brings peace and stuff like that. I always thought that this is what I would like to do, mm. to create music that brings peace, harmony to people, you know, uh, make them in touch with things that matter to them. Um, I have one experience that I had, to, many, a few people told me things like this, but this lady in particular, she's, um, she said that she survived ritual abuse um, <coughs> as a child, and um, she had multiple personalities, so she's like, you know, like very severe. And um, at the time I gave her a CD I had made, and she listened to it from start to finish. And then she wrote and she said, it was the most strange thing. It felt like I was going to therapy. Mm -hmm. The first song took me somewhere, and then the second song, and the third and the fourth, all the way to the end, to the conclusion. And she felt like she had gone through a journey of, uh, of therapy, of, uh, of, uh, of healing. So I thought that's fantastic. You know, music can do that to you. And you know, like Rick was sharing a song, and I let you. I give you the mic now. Uh, he was sharing a song that he heard, and um, I won't spoil the story. But I went to listen to that song yesterday on YouTube, and I started reading the comments, and I was flabbergasted. 
people who were going through cancer, through uh, uh, to grieve, you know, uh, bereavement and great loss in life, who gather on these um, on these pages on YouTube, where you have ambient music, or just instrumental music, just music that ministers to the soul. And uh, I mean, you have to go and, and check this out. It's it's, it's mind-boggling. It's a world that uh, it's not well known, basically, but it's there. <laughs> nice, thank you. <clears throat> yeah, well, you inspired me to talk about my origin story with music, which I wasn't planning to do. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I wouldn't say, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say I grew up in a musical household particularly. Um, my father did sing in choirs in church, because um, that's the, you ever notice of all the like famous singers you've ever heard of where they got their start within churches, where else do you sing, yeah. honestly? Yeah. You know? So, in the shower, other than the shower, more on that later. More on that later. Um, and uh, but what we, but what uh, at least my father was very much interested. He listened to music, and so he had you know a, a nice stereo, <clears throat> which I inherited later. And uh, and uh, and it was in something you were saying about like listening to something from beginning to end. And that was the way it was in the old days. You know, you would put an album on, and you would listen to the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, and you, it wasn't so easy to skip around or say, you know, next song, next song, next song. You didn't like that one on your playlist, next, next. Um, you know, you every, turned every, you know, whatever, Spotify and Apple Music have turned everybody into editors, you know. Uh, you, edit, you edit yourself now, you edit the music. Um, but this way, you had to, you know, you'd listen to the whole thing. And, uh, and his favorite, by the way, his favorite thing was sound music. He loved the movie too, but also the soundtrack. And uh, and then yeah, somewhere along the line, I said, "Oh, so I listen to music too." Of course, as you do, you listen to the music your parents listen to because you don't have your own music when you're a kid. <clears throat> and uh, but then, of course, you know you start listening to other kinds of music. Back in the days when you had to listen to the radio, and uh, and you'd hear other kinds of things, but. But at some point, yeah, I got interested in, I could tell the story that I, I traded my uh, first bike for my first guitar, and, um, and I've uh, never been much of a bike rider, <laughs> ever since. <laughs> but, you know, guitar is, you know, it's coming along. And, uh, and that's where they began the journey, and, and I can't say well, you know, why particularly. Why I also, you know, was looking at other creative outlets as a, as a kid, rather than draw a lot. But somehow it ended up being that music was the was the creative outlet ultimately that developed out of all the other possible possibilities. Um, <clears throat> you know, I've never been much of a dancer, and it impresses me that you were. I was hoping we might see some moves sometime. <laughs> <clears throat> And uh, <clears throat> that was one of the things, you know, I said, well, no, like, one of the things I liked about playing in bands was you didn't have to go up there and dance, you, you could hide behind your instrument, right? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, and, 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 and I think, you know, in my experience of, uh, of music, I guess, and, and both, like, listening to it and, and, uh, and, and producing it, creating it myself, um, has been, I think, more of a, if I wanted, if I wanted to put a fine point on it as a thought about it, it's kind of like a search for beauty, really. I 
think that's what I experience in it. Um, and, 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 a, and, a, and, an, and an emotional thing. Um, shall we say, unlocking of emotions. And, uh, anyway, also, I mean, and, but it's actually, I've been reading this book, oh, I finished it now, <clears throat> called Wired for Music by uh, Adriana Barton. And uh, it's a, yeah, a, 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 the subtitle is A Search for Health and Joy Through the Science of Sound. And, <clears throat> and this idea of, it's a, actually the best part of it is her own personal journey. <laughs> uh, because she, she just discovered that, you know, that's what, and, and uh, being, she studied cello for 17 years. And she says, and now plays a variety of instruments as an amateur musician in Vancouver, Canada. And uh, because uh, all that classical training in cello um, damaged her both psychologically and physically, um, <clears throat> because of the, uh, I think, you know, whatever, I mean, everybody's unique. It's not saying that happens to everyone uh, in doing a classical um, uh, music study. But um, it did for her. <clears throat> and so it's a part of the journey is that is her coming back to music and what it means to be musical, what it means to make music and have, what place music had in her life. And uh, I just want to talk to them about the idea of, about, about not singing. This is one of the things that I thought was very, uh, I don't know, poignant or something. <clears throat> Chances are we're not tone deaf. More accurately called amusia. Less than 2% of people, so probably not you, Less than 2% of people are unable to hear the difference between, say, a white key on the piano and the black key next to it. Problems distinguishing between pitches involve cognitive uh, abnormalities in the brain and may be partly hereditary. But amusia hardly accounts for the roughly 17 to 25% of adults in Western industrial societies who swear they have a tin ear. <clears throat> And she goes on to talk about, you know, oh, boy, oh, dear. <laughs> Uh-oh, for lack of rhythm. Here's the crux. The deficits called tone deafness or left-footedness are largely cultural. That said, people have good reasons for refusing to dance or sing. <clears throat> Researchers have uncovered an array of painful emotions from anxiety to shame in those who merely mouth the words during national anthems or happy birthdays. There's even a term for this, selective mutism for singing. So, and, and yeah, she, she goes on to talk about a lot of it, is the sort of experiences we've had uh, when we were younger about, you know, uh, being you know, told that we you know, can't carry a tune or that we're off. And maybe we are, because we haven't learned yet, right? You, you don't expect you know, a kid to be able to, you know, whatever, stand up and, you know, and, and walk and run like a first go around, right? <clears throat> so why would you expect somebody to be able to you know, sing on pitch the first go around? <clears throat> so anyway, so I encourage you actually, because I think one of the points she makes is that it, it's helpful, uh, one, of the, one, of the, one of the great ways to experience the, the, the beauty and the, and the joy and the, and the healing of music to actually be able to make it yourself. Um, and, and there's just a lot of things open to you, especially singing. It's the most, it's the easiest thing to do because you know you always have your voice with you. <clears throat> you don't need it. You know this is, you know, it is it's, its own instrument, right? So this thing to think about. She also got into drumming, by the way, quite seriously, which is another thing you can do on just about anything. <clears throat> anyway, um, <laughs> I don't know. 
parents. <coughs> that, that's how I started, was to drive my parents crazy. Drive my parents. <laughs> and then you had whatever, you know, whatever a grandparent could buy you a drum kit, right? Something like that. Because <laughs> that's, that's what grandparents do. <coughs> <laughs> Cicada-themed ceramics and table linens are emblazed with the phrase, here's the part where I'm done, sorry, um, Lu Salu Mi Fa Canta, Provencal for the sun makes me sing. Through much of Western history, however, the cicada has been portrayed as a disgraceful layabout. In the famous fable of the ant and the cicada, I've never heard of it myself, later a grasshopper, <clears throat> the cicada sings all summer while the industrious while well, the industrious ant toils in the fields. Come winter, the ant feasts while the cicada starves. Moral of the story, work, work, work. <laughs> to the ant, music is unimportant, a useless frill. Industrial society would turn us all into worker ants, snuffing out our cicada nature, the part of us that knows how to dance, drum, and sing. But I believe, here's the, here's the, here's the line that's worth the price of admission. <laughs> But I believe our health and future as a species may depend on finding a balance between our driven, productive sides and our musical, embodied, sensory selves. Amen. If I could add something um, to what you were saying, yes, please uh, do contribute something to that with um, <clears throat> the sound and making music ourselves. What I've discovered for me is that when there's chaos inside, music brings order to my emotions. Like lately there's been heavy bombing in uh, Palestine, Gaza, and stuff like that. And I have many friends in that area. So every day I'm like, I walk through my Facebook page as if I'm walking through a, a field of barbed wires, you know. And emotionally, um, I get really distressed and really hurt. And yesterday I, I started reaching for music, and so I found a song by uh, uh, called Mercy Street by Peter Gabriel, and uh, They Dance Alone by Sting, and um, it's just how they have brought pain and relief together in a song that starts and ends, like what we're saying, you know. There's a concept there, a beginning and an end, where there's the tension and there's the release that comes. And I think that when we engage, not even just music, but doing something creative, um, we come to a place where we express something that's not just there. You pull something out of yourself and you put it there. <coughs> and then you can reorganize it and create beauty or harmony out of it. Or just getting a sense of relief. And after a while, you develop your own calligraphy, right? You have a sound or you have 
a style of painting or style of dancing or whatever. And uh, so then everybody can do it and should at some point do it. And I'm sure a lot of people here already have hobbies. But this is your creative outlet probably. This is the gift that, that you have where you explore yourself through these mediums. Rick, can you repeat the uh, Christ's vision line? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Fortunately, I didn't pull the bookmark out of that one. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. I believe our health and future as a species may depend on finding a balance between our driven, productive sides and our musical, embodied, sensory selves. She talks about how um, <coughs> neurologically yeah. sound and music awakens something, uh, releases dopamine yeah. and a self of, uh, you know, uh, all the, um, I don't know how to call that, the process of uh, pleasure yeah. and reward and stuff like that. So yeah. it's good for the brain. As it well. is good for the brain. So she talks a lot about that. It is a combination of of, uh, you know, stories about and research, she's, which she's done a bunch of research into, um, about the, the real sort of documented and documentable, um, you know, health benefits and cognitive, like physical and mental health benefits, um, actually, of, of, of music, listening to music. Um, and, and, like I say, that's the, that's interesting stuff, but the real, like I say, the real interesting stuff is her own journey of coming, of, how music was like she describes a situation where again some particular uh, she was at the, a um, uh, massage therapist and you know getting a massage all the everything was super chill and there was this sort of you know music playing in the background which was like you know the sounds of you know the ocean or something and then <clears throat> and then it switched to be uh, like a really sort of famous cello piece um, and 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 she had to she had to leave. <laughs> it was so you know like her her, her association with that uh, was so negative that she couldn't stay there. Like even though she <laughs> well the, uh, this massage is just the value of this massage is just <laughs> flattened. <laughs> and, uh, and so yeah, she had to get in there. So it's interesting to see that process of how you come back. Um, and in her process of coming back from the edge with that. Not saying there still aren't trigger songs. That's another thing that about music, because I think it has a lot of power. It can also trigger negative stuff. If like if you have a song that you associate with a bad thing that happened in your life or a bad time, um, and, and that hearing that song again, um, you know, can actually you know trigger a bunch of. She has a whole, whole chapter on that called bad vibrations. <laughs> And uh, this this idea of how, but what, what's, what's interesting about while it is, while you call it, you know, it's a bad experience in your life, it's not that way for everybody, but what I guess the message in it is, the power of it. To unlock emotions, good and bad. Interesting when you, you talk about, uh, because she was a cellist. She learned to play the cello. She didn't learn to play music. And then when she was so wounded that she had to say no more, 
She finally discovered music, and she, and she found herself yeah. and her wholeness in it. Yeah. It's a beautiful story. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Anyway, painful, but painful but beautiful. Painful, but beautiful. Yeah. The journey ended. Yeah. Can, can I just add something in there? Um, <clears throat> dealing with people all the time as a counselor, therapist, um, and uh, quite often. society has warped itself to the place where we deny the creative side of us. And we seek the ecstasy through drugs or through alcohol or through some type of addiction. Um, and it's doing exactly the same thing. Um, cocaine will take you the dopamine, which is natural, natural hormone in our body, it's our well-being hormone, right? Like runner's high and different things that people have talked about. Um, but that drug, <sighs> 10 times. Why and it will kill you. Why wouldn't I like it? <laughs> why wouldn't, you know, why wouldn't I, yeah, it's, you're, you're, you're right up here on the mountaintop. I mean, it just takes you, right? But people then, you know, then you come down. You come down and yeah, yeah. the slope is... And then it's worse. Whatever yeah. you were feeling before, the pain that you were feeling before is worse because now you don't have the ecstasy and the high. So more search, more, need more, need more. And your brain will actually tell it. That's where cravings and things come. It's telling you. Give me more, give me more. We're not doing as good here. Yeah. I actually made a meme once about that that said, uh, you can't overdose on music. <laughs> <laughs> That's the idea. But I'm just saying, this, what you're saying is absolutely true. If we would balance ourselves off more with things that were healthier like this, mm -hmm. maybe we wouldn't go to, you know, people wouldn't go to the, mm -hmm. the dark side. The process to me, because I've been a drug, uh, cocaine addict for many years, uh, in the past 20-some years, so I know that nightmare, and uh, it's the process of, uh, and I think with, with the vulnerability that you are um, going for in music, and what you experience facing addictions, where you are your worst enemy and you can't defeat yourself. Right. Is that you come to a place where you have to face whatever you escaped. Whatever you were running from, trying to pat down, to silence, to, you know, do yeah. it, uh, do it with. It's still there. It's still living in you somewhere and it's manifesting in uh, unhealthy ways in your life. So the journey of, of healing in all those cases, is to face these things gradually, but with the help of, you know, a counselor or with the art through the arts, discovering and living day by day. It's a, it's a long journey, but uh, I think it's it's really important what you were saying there that uh, it is uh, the society in society we want to be functional, 
That's why we give medication to people. Mm. You know, so they can keep functioning. But functioning is existing and surviving. It's not really living. You know? mm. And so if you can introduce people to that, you know, when I was in Guelph, I was part of a... <coughs> I'm sorry, I'm going along. No, finish that one then. Well. Okay. Yeah. I was part of a project with people suffering from mental illness. I was one of them. <laughs> and uh, it was uh, workshops where people would write songs and poems. And then at the end of that, they chose 10 of them and <coughs> recorded them in studio. So I did music for them and stuff like that. And people expressed stuff like from all over the place. But some of them were like, they would just ruin you. You would listen to that and you would just fall apart. Because it comes from a place so deep that it's it's rarely it rarely sees the sun, right? And um, it just it grabs you and it reminds you of yourself, but it also shows you a way um, where they have been able to put together something that finally they can look at it and say, Ah, okay, so this is what I was trying to say. This is what I'm going through. You know, this is where I want to go. And stuff. I feel like. Um we could start a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we talk about that. <laughs> However, right uh, now I, I think we have a couple, maybe one exercise. Which one? You think Ronald should only do one of them? How much time do we have? Can we? I think whatever you want. Five or ten. Okay, let's do. Let's kind of let's do them. Let's do them both. The first one's really short. Um, Should I hand these out now while you explain? Sure. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah. So we have a we have a couple like table talk questions, which I'm hoping we have some at least a little bit of time to talk about. Uh, if I could like move move the this bit, this bit along. Um, uh, the first one is uh, just to tell a story behind. There's a song by uh, or uh, yeah, no, there's a piece of music, shall we say. Um, by a guy, a composer named, an experimental composer named John Cage. It's called 433. Um, and what it actually is, is um, I, I meant to bring the score with me because it's, uh, it's all rests. <laughs> so uh, he created this piece that's actually, uh, you know, four, four minutes and 33 seconds of silence. Or at least in which the musician who's performing it does not play their instrument. Um, and, and we're going to do a little bit of a, of a test drive of that because what he was doing, lots of people thought he lost his marbles, like he was pretty experimental, you know, even before that. And then when, he, when, he, when that piece was performed uh, by, by a renowned pianist who didn't actually play anything, uh, <laughs> um, you know, I think some people might have wanted their money back. But, um, but uh, the idea behind it, what his point was, is that there's never silence, right? And so it, the idea is, well, how deeply can you listen to your environment? And, uh, and is, there, is there music there? There's certainly sound there. And, and what can you hear there? So we're not going to do an entire performance of 433 because we want to do another thing that's 4 minutes and 21 seconds right after this. So what we are going to try, though, is by the clock, um, we're going to do one minute. We're going to do like one quarter of a, of a 433. Um, and so I encourage you to close your eyes because visual stimulation is, uh, is just out of this world. Um, so that's one of the reasons. it's often like a meditation. I think you can close your eyes. Roll your eye. 
so we focus. Okay, so anyway, we're going to do about a clock, just a minute, I have to, uh, if, I, if I do this right, I didn't bring my phone, mercifully, uh, I'm, I'm coming down, get ready, five, four, three, The clearest thing, I, the, the, the fan in that overhead projector is quite, uh, <laughs> it's quite loud, it turns out. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, and, uh, the, the, so the yeah, first question I should have on your table, how did you experience the time of listening to silence? Did anything stand out to you? Or uh, did you experience any particular thoughts or feelings? I'm, I think in order to sort of move things along, I think I'm going to do the second one, and then you can just discuss either, either or both questions, whatever. Um, the second one has a story with it too. Walter's got it queued up and it relates to the song, the piece of music again, that, um, that Andre spoke of. And my first experience of this, or at least recollection of it, uh, was I was, uh, as I often do, was working in, in the office doing what I do. And, uh, and I have different kinds of music for different kinds of things I'm doing. Um, and so this was thoughtful work, so that was, I was listening to ambient music, because that's whatever that I do. And, uh, um, and this particular, and I'm just minding my own business, right? I'm doing my thing. And this particular piece comes on in my playlist, you know, because it just comes up because Spotify served it to me. And, uh, and all of a sudden, I'm, I'm partway along, and I realize I'm weeping, I'm crying. I'm like, what? What? Wait a minute. <laughs> like, like, that has nothing to do with what I'm doing. I know that. <laughs> and, uh, and then I just I clue into this all I could do is listen to it. And uh, it was just deeply, deeply moving and emotional for me. And that's the piece we're going to do right now.
So uh, take some time uh, with two questions at your tables. Remember that, you know, they share around, oh, no is always an okay answer, it's always okay to pass. And yeah, and then I'll uh, wrap up here in a few minutes. So, just look at this picture. This is uh, Peter and his grandson with a guitar. He's hearing his grandpa. And he wants to listen. And I saw this picture, I said, this kid just experienced transcendence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is that, you feel it, eh? Yeah. <laughs> so we're closing. Thanks everybody for participating. Uh, we're going to close with a thing that um, Andre wrote. Yesterday, the day before. Yeah, yesterday. Okay. And then we're going to be done. So this is it. Art is more than aesthetics. It is a living language. It's life for the soul and light to the mind. A path to transcendence. We may call it beauty. Creating art is also an act of birthing ourselves to a level of awareness and wholeness that we may not reach or receive any other way. Taste is personal, but art that makes us feel present in the moment of encounter, be viewing, hearing, feeling, moving, is art that we should seek and find, engage with and share. This is the way. <laughs>